0: Hello, and welcome to this week's episode of another Fine Mez, the European Securitization Podcast. I am Victoria Thiele, CLO reporter at Global Capital, and your host today, since Tom Lemon was forced to spend his New York morning wrestling with US bureaucracy. Here with me is George Smith, who covers ABS and RMBS. Hi, George.
1: Oh, hi, Victoria.
0: Before we start with all the market talk, I realized that um, I currently lead the league table of having hosted most episodes of Another Fine Mess um, since the start of 2024. <laughs> and I'm sure Tom will gladly leave this in when he edits our recording later.
1: Are you uh, angling for a Securitization Podcast Host of the Year? Am uh, I? Maybe
0: I am. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, it will be announced alongside all our other awards um, in mid-March. <laughs> but anyway, George, you had an exciting week. Um, you were in Vienna for the CEE Securitization Summit. Um, how was it?
1: Yeah, it was good. Uh, I had my my moderating debut, as we discussed, last week at the Investor Roundtable. Um, and it was, it was interesting. I mean, we had three different types of investors. I mean, mostly synthetics and see insurers kind of private funded investors and the kind of multilateral um, development bank kind of investors. And there was, was quite an interesting uh, interplay between them. Sadly, the panels already happened. So the, my promotional material is kind of going to waste, but <laughs> I did find, <laughs> I found it interesting to moderate myself.
0: So your very first panel ever and you only celebrated that, um, as I saw on the picture in our newsroom chat with a cup of Earl Grey tea and strudel. It's a little bit sad.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I, I've got the opportunities to make up for it at GC Live where I'll be, I think, unless anyone wants to invite me to moderate a panel before then <laughs> uh, in mid-March, moderating my second ever panel. So, <laughs> uh, the sign-ups are on the website for that, aren't they?
0: Um, yeah, well, and that's, that's then the time to pop open the champagne. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but also, you somehow got around to also writing stories this week. Quite, quite an impressive output. Um, there was a story you wrote, um, a Euro story this week. So, so what happened there? I thought uh, you're now fully specialised in Starling RMBS.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you can never have enough sterling R and BS in in my view. But it was definitely a week where Euros stole the headlines. Um we had the, the market reopening for the year, three deals. One of them as we record, I don't think is quite yet priced from Volkswagen, but it, it should do on Friday morning. Um and then we also had Aux Money and Hildman Lease who are returning issuers priced their deals on Wednesday. Uh, so a could start the year for euros.
0: And how, how did they do? Was it just good by volume, or did they were they successful? It was
1: glorious. It was glorious. Oh, it, it couldn't have been better. <laughs> uh, you know, if you were one of these issuers, you'd be absolutely joyful. Um, they tightened, they grew. Um, the investors stayed in the book. They, they had it all really. Um, definitely, um, we've got two of the issues in my story, um, talking about how happy they are, which is, is perfectly understandable from um, Hilterman and money. Um, the Volkswagen is, looks like it's going to grow to a, a massive size, like nearly a, a billion euros as well, which is particularly impressive because obviously at the end of last year, as we discussed at length, I think also on this podcast, since the ECB left the market doing Euro deals at size has been, or since the CCB stopped buying in primary, has been a challenge and, you know, certain issuers were willing to kind of pay a wide spread to do it. Others took a slightly tighter spread at slightly smaller scale. This Volkswagen deal is gonna tighten inside the last German auto of last year, and it should be enormous. So in that sense, it's, it's magnificent on all fronts, and also for for Hilton and Orcs Money, their credit curves, so their MES compared to their seniors, is, is a lot tighter. Um, and I mean, that's in the context of a, a general tightening of MES since the last deals, which were in kind of the first half of last year. But it does show that kind of investors are at least finding the lower reaches of their capital stacks more attractive. Um, which can only be a good thing for them and probably does come at least in part down to their kind of growing track records um as issuers. You know, there's their third deal for Hilterman and fourth deal for Aux Money from their yeah. respective shelves.
0: So will other issuers be trying to take advantage of that? Because that sounds like pretty good
1: conditions for deals right now. So what does the pipeline look like? Yeah, we've got Dilosk already out, they're an Irish mortgage lender. Um I'm going to air a, a small grievance I have with Dilosk's <laughs> RMBS shelf. So, most issuers have separate shelves for their prime owner occupied mortgages and their buy to let mortgages. But Dilosk has just them all in the same one. So, this is Dilosk 8, but it's only the second ever owner occupied Dilosk deal. And, you know, it just creates confusion for me when I'm looking back and I have to think Dilosk 6 was that the owner occupied <laughs> one? Um, you know, so please, Dilosk, if you're listening, separate shelves for the different types of uh, <laughs> issuance. Uh, uh. Well, even if Dilosk
0: is not I- listening, maybe one of the investors uh, in the markets can, can <laughs> have, have a heart for George and <laughs> get on the phone with Dilosk and them to change the naming conditions.
1: Pay a concession, the, 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 uh, the spread, the, the brownium for uh, not naming your shelves in a convenient manner. Um, <laughs> So yeah, anyway. and it, it should stay reasonably busy in and, and sterling as well. There's there's a buy-to-let deal out from Charter Court, which is a subsidiary of One Savings Bank. Um, and that's actually the revival of the PMF shelf for the first time since 2020. So. There's, there's still things to look forward to next week.
0: All right. So plenty of stories to come. And if you want to catch up on what George has done this week, um, the story we just discussed is called Euro ABS Gets Dream Start as AUX Money Hilteman Push on Size. And you can read it on globalcapital.com as always.
1: And Victoria, you, you are, uh, you've been angling for deals for a while. Have you, <laughs> have you been That's rewarded right. this week?
0: Well, not quite. Um, also, nothing, <laughs> nothing has priced yet, but at least we definitely know now that it will be busy once people start doing that. Um, we have those resets by Bain and Palmer Square um, in the pipeline, um, their marketing. Then there's new deals being marketed by Soundpoint and Fidelity. Um, I think we already talked about that. Last week, potentially, um, they were now joined by White Star with uh, Trinitas. That's their CLO branch and then partners group. So. there are a few people who sort of didn't want to go first, um, but are now coming out, um, hoping for, for spread tightening sort of once the first few deals have paved the way. So, so it's looking busy. Um, and then there's lots of rumors, um, apparently KKR, Blue Bay, um, Blue Bay seems to be marketing their triple A's. There's Capital Four potentially coming. There could be another, reset of the 2022 CLO by Onyx. So yeah, um, there will definitely uh, be some frantic um, <laughs> writing on my end probably <laughs> in the next few weeks.
1: I was having a, a debate actually, well not really a debate, a conversation with a, a banker earlier. I think it was at the start of this week about the uh, the game theory of whether you want to be the, uh, <laughs> the market reopen or not, whether or whether you wait for tightening. Um,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for just go now. Go when you can. <laughs> Give me stories. <laughs>
1: um, we did talk about potential tightening uh, in the past few episodes. Uh, do we know? Do we have more visibility?
0: Well, so there is optimism. Quite a few managers are aiming for 150 base points over three months, you from all we hear, which would be quite significantly tighter than um, October to December, when everything was stuck basically between 170 and 175. Um, Obviously, you need the investors investors, (laughs) too.
1: Are they willing to give them? I know.
0: Yeah, I I do. I I did see that danger in like talking to a lot of CLO managers about what prices they want. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I did also also check with investors a little. Um, So there there hasn't been a lot of supply for quite a few weeks now. Um, The last CLOs have priced over a month ago now. and people have new allocations at the start of the year. Um, sentiment in the market is generally good. There are some really good names. So um, like Soundpoint, they they're, have quite a good reputation as a manager, but they haven't really done a deal at all in 2023 because the arbitrage was so difficult. <laughs> Never said that, well, that before on a podcast.
1: Do they, get, do they get rarity value? For...
0: <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not sure how big of a, like a. What's <laughs> they called? A Remium. raremium? <laughs> um, <laughs> that would be. Um, but I did talk to an investor who, uh, yesterday, who said, well, you know, 150 base point would be sort of justified for the likes of like put it and KKR, though we're not buying at that. So
1: make <laughs> <laughs> okay. that what you want. I would, I would um, see, yeah. But yeah,
0: I don't think it's entirely like, I don't think those 150 are entirely wishful thinking. Um, I think it's probably, it's likely that we at least get towards that. Um, but then, of course, if everybody can, comes at the same time, there can be a congestion, and that can move everything the other way. Um, so, as always, we'll see.
1: <laughs> <laughs> indeed, indeed. And moving on to your uh, your big cover story of the of the week, um, you wrote about potential refinancings of private credit deals into the broadly syndicated market. Uh, what's happening there? <laughs> <laughs> um, so. I,
0: I spoke to Christian Zavides this week. He's the co-head of debt advisory at Rothschild, the big financial advisory firm, um, which probably most people already know. But he said that um, they're increasingly getting mandates from clients. So companies borrowing money um, who borrowed in the private credit market in 2022 when the environment was sort of difficult um, for, for credit markets and who want to now look at refinancing those private credit deals through broadly syndicated loans underwritten by banks um and that's important for CLOs because um, CLOs need those broadly syndicated loans BSLs in their portfolios um and well they sort of need them quite badly by now because there has been very little supply over the past um yeah in the past year and um this means that prices in the secondary market are super expensive. And even those spreads are tightening now, um, arbitrage is still challenged because the asset prices are so expensive at the moment.
1: Why would you even what, like what? what's the benefit of switching to a broadly syndicated loan over a, a private credit uh, loan?
0: So um, probably worth outlining the classic idea of those Um, markets. Broadly syndicated (laughs) loan, Um, you have a bank underwriting the credit and then distributing it to different investors, which a lot of them are CLOs because they're the main buyers of BSLs, leverage loans in Europe. Um, And these have the benefits compared to private credit that they're cheaper, they're easier to scale up if you want to borrow more money later on. Um, There's a deeper liquidity pool. So that used to be like the go to for like big loans by well-performing companies, um, they used to go to this private credit, on the other hand, is classically traditionally more there if you need like a more bespoke solution. Um, it tends to be always open. It's less volatile to the macro environment than the bank oriented, broadly syndicated market. Um, so private credit always open. It's it's more flexible to your needs as a borrower because you're just making this bilateral agreement with um, Another company lending you money. Um, it's faster uh, the process, but downside, or yeah, like on the other hand, they also tend to be more expensive. Um, there's often covenants because uh, restrictions on the borrower because the lender wants to protect themselves. Um, so in the past, that was more an option associated with smaller companies or maybe some with more challenged performance. But the market has been growing and maturing for a while. And then when in 2022, the interest rates rose, um, banks retreated more from lending and borrowers that really needed money, maybe for refinancing, um, they went to the private credit um, market, even if they maybe traditionally would have opted for a BSL. Um, So, yeah, that washed some, some, some sort of big, high quality companies and deals into the private credit market. But now the BSL market has reopened. Um, we had around 26 billion of CLOs printed in 2023 in Europe. So there's a lot of demand um, and there's more sort of, there's that's more confidence around their interest rates might be going. So yeah, so now that a market is back, so now borrowers, um, yeah, who might have felt pressured to go to private credit in 2022, can now consider refinancing that debt at lower prices In the BSL market.
1: So it's back to the old ways. Private credit was a flash in the past.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Hot take. (laughs) Uh, No, no, no. Unfortunately, it's not that black and white. (laughs) So as I as I mentioned, um, private credit has grown massively. I'm sure anybody who listens to this podcast also vaguely follows financial news and sees every week the big headlines of whatever new company, uh, whatever big asset manager has, again, raised some sort of 500 million Euro um, private credit fund, and uh, private credit funds are also increasingly more willing to form clubs. So maybe you have three companies or so, um, three lenders clubbing together and then that way they can um, tackle bigger, bigger loans, maybe upwards of like a billion euros or so, which would formerly have been too big for that market and would have needed to go to, to the broadly syndicated market. Um, and yeah, as I said, they had attractive deals coming in and um, they have a lot of cash to deploy now uh, with raising all that money. So they're not just going to give it up without a fight, just be like here, have your market share back. Um, <laughs> so right now we have a situation where both markets really need to spend money um there's there's the i think there'll just be quite tough competition so if you're it it was a pretty bad time (laughs) to (laughs) be a borrower in 2022 um and now at least if you're a high quality company it's actually an excellent time because um everybody's gonna fight over your deals um and there have even been some cases i heard where um a company was looking at both, maybe like the high yield bond market um, in that case, it wasn't leveraged loans and um, private credit last year. And they decided to go for a high yield bond because that was just really good conditions at the moment. So they told that to the last two credit funds in the race. And then those funds um, decided to drop some covenants and also drop the price. And then in the end, the borrower did decide to go with a unit trend private credit deal. Um, so that market is definitely still, still there and maturing. Um, <clears throat> But yeah, so but I still think it looks like there will be some movements back into the broadly syndicated market. Um, But yeah, both both markets are more likely to exist next to each other as options for borrowers. Um, um, So, yeah, Yeah, I think it's a it's a super interesting dynamic between those two markets. And um, yeah, it's going to be it's going to be really fascinating to see where it goes in the long run.
1: So it's a a serious invasion of. BSL's niche then from,
0: from private well, I'm credits. not
1: sure you could call it a niche so much <laughs> before. Well, a niche in the ecological sense maybe. Of, uh, uh, yeah,
0: yeah, uh, um, exactly. Survival of the fittest. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, thank you, Victoria. The story is called CLO's private credit set of a fierce battle over loan refi.
0: I think we should have an audio that people can click on to hear you read that out with the proper Emphasis on the fears, which I think really <laughs> adds to it. <laughs> but yeah, so this is all we have time for today. And I think it was plenty. If you, our beloved listeners, would like to contact us with any questions or requests or demands that Tom come back and take over, and I'm never to be heard again on this podcast, then um, all our email addresses work the same. It's at at george.smith.globalcapital.com, and the same with tom.lemmon. And uh, nothing remains to say, but thank you very much for listening and we will be back next week.